Key Sibs, the podcast that challenges three siblings to take a look at our childhood movie cabinet in one film at a time. Criticize or defend the viewing choices we made as kids. I'm your host and have some very strong Robin Williams uh, energy <laughs> and inspiration this morning, Gray Baker. I'm Holland and I'm the oldest. I'm Allegra and I'm Mrs. Doubtfire. I can't. I couldn't That's think of anything. That's the best you could do? You put me on the spot. I wasn't ready yet. <laughs> you Gray just launched into it. I was thinking. I was scratching my brain. And I the only I'm phrase I could think of is literally. You were the one telling me to hurry up. So <laughs> Me? I was saying, take your time. I'm trying to beat a video game. <laughs> Get off your phone. <laughs> I am. Damn. What we do here each week is one of us has to present a movie to be critiqued, while the other two score it based on five specific categories. Each week's score will be added up, and at the end of each season, the sibling with the most points will be labeled master of the remote control, while the loser will be forced to do some sort of punishment. This week, Allegra is defending the beloved, just, I mean, super nostalgic, lovely movie by the late and the greatest Sir Robin Williams. We're watching Mrs. Doubtfire. Also, Gray, I realized you also missed out on an opportunity to open the podcast by channeling Hello! Hello! <laughs> All right, let's restart the podcast from the top. I could have done it. I was also thinking of starting it like, I feel like we quoted that particular part all the time. Hey, gotta <laughs> Man, we must have been annoying as children. Um, I... Yeah, it's probably... <laughs> um, we're doing it already. Um, I, it was probably a good thing that I watched this by myself because I was basically quoting it as I was watching it the entire time that I watched it. <laughs> Man, I haven't seen this movie in so long. I watch this one like every couple of years. Yeah, I watched this last year. And like I've seen it since then and, too. But this one um, was also a staple uh-huh. in our house. Yeah. Like we had this on VHS. We watched this all the time. Basically, we watched this very often. Basically, so whenever, whenever I hear a song that was on this soundtrack, I think of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Oh, I yeah. I only was written, associate that with this movie. I'm like, it was written for this movie. What do you mean? This movie was the first time. Same with uh, <laughs> Luck. Be, be a lady. A lady yeah. Frank Sinatra. Basically, yeah. this movie. Yeah, basically every song in the montage of him being made up I heard for the first oh, yeah. time in matchmaker, this matchmaker, yeah, like the song from Fiddler, match, yeah. the Rain on My Parade, like yep. all of that, all the those songs were. It was my first exposure to those songs while watching this movie. I did not know. That I did was, not understand yes. the references originally. I didn't know who Barbara Streisand was. Yeah, 
<laughs> Not really, anyway. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Great. Do you want to read us the summary? I don't know if we need to, but like if you have somehow have not seen this movie. Eccentric actor Daniel Hillard is an amusing and caring father. But after a disastrous birthday party for his son, Chris, his wife Miranda, draws the line and files a divorce. He can see their three children only once a week, which doesn't sit well with him. Oh, God, I hate this summer. <laughs> um, he holds a job at a TV studio as a shipping clerk under the recommendation of his liaison, spelled incorrectly. Um, his liaison. Um, but when Miranda puts out an ad for a nanny, he takes it upon himself to make a disguise as a British lady named Mrs. Doubtfire. And he must also deal with Miranda's new boyfriend, Stu Dunmire. I just like that, like, throwaway, like, the last sentence is literally just, and he must also deal with Miranda's new boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the summary. Uh, You, we didn't need to see it or say it, you know, because everyone knows this movie. Um, Released November 24th, 1993, so only Holland was alive and barely at that. Yeah, we definitely Um, didn't see it in theater, or I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I feel like so we didn't I usually see it say this while. afterward. We had it on VHS. I, yeah, I usually hold this for later, but it's so astounding that I wanted to bring it up up top. Okay. The budget for this movie was twenty five million. I want you guys to guess the box office. Was it a hit or was it a flop? Or is that part of the guessing? I don't know. A hundred million. Forty million. Four hundred and forty-one point <gasps> three million. Holy God! Holy God! That is wild. That is insane. That is insane. It was on my trivia. I found out it was the second highest-grossing movie of nineteen ninety-three, only behind Jurassic Park. Damn! Oh my God! So it was a hit. Hit. <laughs> this was a massive fucking life. Yeah, dude genre defying fucking smash hit i'd also like to apologize my sink is gurgling in the background right now hopefully it's not <laughs> um i want to look i'm looking at the uh oh, okay yeah jurassic park was a lit made a little bit more money <laughs> how much it made one billion. Oh my god <laughs> just a little more <laughs> a little more hey, man but this was the second I mean, what was Wait, Mrs. Doubtfire almost made half of that, which is crazy. Uh, what was? Yeah, the especially third? in the difference of tones of the movie. <laughs> True. Out of curiosity, what was the third? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um. That that wasn't in my trivia. But yeah, this was. <laughs> I feel like we got the like. Was this like an Easter basket movie? I feel like it was something like, no I don't know. I feel like this VHS has always existed in my life. I never knew where it came from. This movie was I guess just that's always true. there. I feel like I maybe, re- I remember we watching it a lot um, in art, when we lived in Arden for mm. a second. This was a mom's house movie for sure. For sure. Oh, you mean right after the divorce? Yeah. <laughs> so, Dude, we will have to get into the divorce oh my cave God, representation. Divor- so I feel like... Uh, this was a big part of our childhood, and I, 
I'm pretty sure all three of us clung to this movie in different ways and related in different ways because we are children of divorce. And I know for a fact <laughs> the way that I consumed this movie as a child is slightly different than the way I like receive it as a, an adult. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I guess oh, before yeah. we super get into it, I do have thoughts from our parents. Speaking of divorce, um, dad, so I actually, I'm proud of myself. I texted them while I was watching the movie, super ahead of time. I usually do it when we start recording because I forget. Um, but <laughs> so, yeah, so I texted dad last night and he got back to me like a couple hours later and he's like, absolutely love this movie. Is it too late to respond? And I was <laughs> like, no, go for it. And he said, loved that movie. I hated Pierce Brosnan prior to that movie for some reason and loved him after that movie. So much so that my favorite movie of his is The Matador. Sally Field was great. Robin Williams finally got the acting credit he deserved. And the girl from Matilda is always a cutie pie. And then mom sent me a pretty long voice memo. So buckle up. Okay. Um... I feel like I cheated a little bit because I watched Mrs. Doubtfire just last weekend on the boat. And I loved it um, just as much as the first, first 2,000 times that I watched it. Um, I'm going to say there are definitely some inappropriate for children um, moments. And I'm sure that Robin Williams improvised many of them as he was a genius. Um, and another unchanged uh, item is that Harvey Firestein is still my favorite character as his brother, the makeup artist. He's unbelievably hilarious. I wish there had been more Harvey Firestein. Um, and I still, I remember being struck by thinking that Sally Field and Robin Williams as a couple was so bizarre and it just didn't ever feel believable to me. That has not changed. And that Pierce Brosnan is hot. And honestly, I know they were trying to make him out to be kind of a villain, but didn't maybe as a person who's more a more mature parent now, I just don't think he's that much of a villain. And I said multiple times while watching, oh my God, I would die if I had to be married to the Robin Williams character of the dad. No wonder she left him. He's so annoying. So yeah, he's like, I get the kids thought he was fun, but sorry, he deserved to be left. He was so freaking annoying. Um, he was much better as a nanny than as a husband. There, I said it. Anyway, um, still 9 out of 10, going to have to give that. And purely just being able to live in San Francisco for the two hours is worth every moment. Loved it. So there are a lot of things in her uh, review that I feel like we will touch upon. For sure. Um, Absolutely. Also, Mom, sorry, you don't get to score. <laughs> Well, she just gave her general score for the movie. She gives it a 9 out of 10. No, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm messing around. I'm messing around. Mom wants to be the fourth latchkey sib so bad. <laughs> She's the latchkey mom. Latchkey mom. 
She was also a latchkey child. So. That's true. Yeah. Our parents love this movie. <laughs> and we love this movie. It's a good movie, man. <laughs> Should we get into free watch? Yars. I can go first. Uh, Robin Williams and Sally Field get divorced and fight over custody. Robin Williams has a janitor job. I got that wrong. But then decides to become the nanny for his kids so he can see them more. Gay brother drags him up. Hijinks ensue. Eventually gets caught. Still has a happy ending set in San Francisco. I remember everything about this movie, so I don't know. <laughs> Should I go next? or Sure. Okay. Divorce kid representation. Matilda. <laughs> voice actor dad gets divorced and pretends to be a nanny to see his kids. Unhinged thing to do in real life, but it's the <laughs> 90s. I guess movies used to be more wacky and fun. Is this from the 80s? Oh, my God. I don't even think I've thought about that before. San Francisco. 1993. Okay, cool. It's in the 90s. I was just questioning everything I knew because I vaguely knew this movie was maybe older than I was, but I still had a general feeling that this movie was contemporary. Oh, my God. Do you guys remember the 90s? Probably not gray, but, like, it was so cool. Everything felt so much warmer visually. Big turtleneck sweaters, black and red velvet, puffy sports jackets, dark curtains, and word floors, cozy headbands. Bangs. What a dumb thing to quit your job of. Oh, that's my only note. Of the movie. <laughs> okay. Great. Um, I was really high. I don't know if you... Great. Perfect. Classic Allegra pre-watch. This is one of my most... This is one of my most cherished childhood movies and certainly one of Robin Williams' most iconic movies. Um, Sally Fields and Robin Williams are such heavy hitters and Pierce Brosnan, just to top it off, is incredible. Um, Figaro were his goddamn kids too. Yep. <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a wish. Match. Fuck, I remember this whole movie. I won't get into it. Yeah. Great, Sally Field. Whatevs, we know what he means. Scores? Okay. Nostalgia, I have a 10. Great. I had oh, a 10. Can't hear him. Oh. Okay. Sit through, I have a 9. I also have a 9. Damn. Appropriate for children, I have a seven. I have an eight. Does it hold up? I have a six. I also have a six. Can I follow? I have a seven. I have a nine. Okay. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I love this movie, but I was not expecting the scores to be this high. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be angry that they weren't higher. <laughs> no, I, I was like, honestly, like, Holland did say it doesn't age well. Oh, God. Is it going to be secretly bad? I mean, it ages better than I probably thought. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But, like, it was 1993, and it... The whole movie is a man dressing up as a woman, so it's like, you know there's going to be some transphobic stuff in it. The 90s were obsessed with transphobia. They were like, they could not stop making... As like a punchline. Yeah, they could not stop making jokes about trans people, and like, they clearly didn't understand what transness was, but yeah. like, they couldn't help themselves. It was everywhere in comedy. Like Ace Ventura. Uh, Frasier has tons of offhanded jokes. Friends had a bunch of random jokes. Oh my jokes. god, Friends, yeah. But anyway. it wasn't that. It no, wasn't it, as bad as like those the the other examples we gave. But you know, it's just like a little. Strange. Honestly, thinking of the context of what 1993 was like, like Robin Williams was a huge queer ally. Like he did the Birdcage, which was also maybe. By today's standards, problematic, but back then, pretty progressive. And honestly, in this movie, just, like, the 
fact that he has like a gay brother with yeah. a partner and they're just like it's, it's like not a big deal or not anything it's, it's just so like part normalized. of their lives yeah uh, he loves his gay brother. I, lo- I love his gay brother. Okay, I don't know. I guess we can start here. I love Harvey Firestein. Who so does it? Oh my much. god. He is so he, good. I don't in know this what movie. else he's in. I only know him from this movie. And he's I love also it. a voice um, in Mulan of like one of the oh, other. Oh, yeah. Like the he's beardy the short soldier. Gotcha. That's like yeah. kind of the only other thing I really know him from. <laughs> um. I'm sure he's in so many other things. And I know he's also queer. Independence in Day. Real life. Um, but I love him so much. <laughs> him and Jack. <laughs> it is kind of weird and random that he has, like, a very heavy Brooklyn accent. <laughs> but it seems like he and his brother, Robin Williams, like seemingly grew up in San Francisco, but like oh, we're not gonna get it. I was like, also, um, Robin Williams, your brother is a lot more Jewish than you. <laughs> <laughs> Although, but, but I guess they imply that Robin Williams is also Jewish because in one of like it's true in one of the makeup moments, he's like, I feel like Bubby. So I think they like just ascribe like Judaism to his their family as well. <laughs> maybe we maybe can, mostly because of Harvey. Maybe we can headcanon it that because Robin Williams' character is a voice actor, maybe he had to change how he spoke True. for his craft. It evened out. He had to get yeah. rid of his deeply Dude, Brooklyn accent. There was the one thing um when when Harvey Firestein's on the phone with his mom and <laughs> Aunt Jack he, Aunt Jack says something and he just goes bitch <laughs> no mom i was not talking you, to mom, the dog not you. <laughs> um i yeah. have some interesting oh, harvey feinstein uh feinstein he's going to be ursula in the 2019 little mermaid oh okay <laughs> i'm like can this man sing we heard him in mulan um i mean he can sing like harvey this. feinstein <laughs> Okay, I just I the opening scene of this movie just Iconic. showcases the talent of Robin Williams. Oh my gosh. Like genuinely. It's so good. So amazing. It's the perfect opening. <laughs> he is he's unlike anything, dude. Seriously. I know. I know. Although And he's like an SF icon because he lived here like his entire yeah, adult yeah, life. Yeah, really? Yeah. Didn't he live in like Tiburon or something? Or he lived like a little outside? Yeah. Um yeah, I think he lived up in Marin, but he had a house here. Right, yeah. And although I will say, like, A, as, like, a day player voice actor, you know that you would have zero ground to stand on when it comes to the oh script. Oh, my God. And it would also just be a really dumb thing to quit over, as I think your only note my says. Only like, <laughs> okay, listen, I kind of agree with Mom. I'm on Team Sally Field. Oh, same. This dude, it's like, not only yes. is he quitting over something maybe a little stupid. Yeah. Because, like, voice acting is a tough industry. And according to Sally Field, he's apparently in between jobs all the time. And it's like, either A, she's like, you're putting our our, our entire livelihood at stake with your financial inconsistency and you'd never talk to me before you make these decisions. Yeah. Or B, you're using me because you think just because I can financially uh, hold, like, 
keep everything together that you can just be completely like wild and carefree yeah it's either way like shit husband thing to do yeah i mean even like when he picks up the kids early Lydia's like, oh, so you got fired. So it's like, this, is, like, happens often. It, like, it seems, it establishes that, like, this is a regular occurrence. That he's, like, often, yeah, like, I, losing jobs. <laughs> I mean, even with, like, the decision to throw a party, I just noted that it so last immediately minute. showcases. <laughs> oh, it just immediately showcases how he and Sally Field were not a good couple. Not no, good at communicating at all. You know, like, united front my ass. Yeah, completely undermines uh, Sally Field's authority, constantly making her out to be the bad guy. Barnyard animals? Why? The cleanup. You think you can clean that up in four hours? Are you insane? I just thought the logistics of picking his kids up after school and then immediately planning a party and somehow getting all the children to show up is honestly kind of impressive, but extremely unrealistic. I'm like, how did how did word spread? This happened like immediately after school. I'm so confused. I, to me, I definitely never picked up on that before. To me, it felt like Robin Williams took like a moral stance at work, and he got and he so he ended up quitting. And maybe as soon as he left the door, he was like, "Oh my god, why did I do that? Why did I do that?" And so he just felt like he needed to compensate in some way. Yeah. So he was like, "I know, I'll piss off my wife." <laughs> Plan this big party. And like feel powerful by getting into another fight. Oh gosh, wow. Dude, Sally Field is so, so goddamn charming. Precious. Her smile is so disarming. <laughs> the person I was watching this with was like, look at her little chiclet teeth. <laughs> I love I Sally Field so, so much. much. Also, I love her so much. Maybe potentially another. Her movie. hair though was crazy. Oh, her, this is her the hair. worst. It's hair. like a weird little helmet hair. It's clearly a professional. It's a coconut head, yeah. Professional bob, but it's like no, no, no. Yeah, um, I don't like. I don't know if we want to put this movie on a future list or not either. But another amazing Sally Field performance that I recommend everyone watch is in the movie Soap Dish. Also, speaking of transphobia. But, uh, yeah, speaking of transphobia, but that movie. Is so, also so good, and the cast is incredible. Sally Field, Kevin Never Klein, seen it. Whoopi Goldberg, Kathy Moriarty, Robert Downey Jr. I could go on. It's um, Elizabeth Shue. It's so good. Anyway. Her her wardrobe assistant, uh, Catherine Catherine and Oh, Kathy Najimy. Yeah. yeah. Listen, so if good. it weren't for the last five minutes of that film, it would be fun. It would perfect. be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um anyway. Speaking <laughs> of misplaced accents, similar to Harvey Firestein's. The Brooklyn cop <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> I forgot about the Brooklyn cop. At the beginning, cop. just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that. I mean, I just feel like people are like, if it's a cop or a construction worker, doesn't matter where yeah. <laughs> the movie or TV show takes place, they're from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, this movie, like, and also just San Francisco looks so beautiful. This movie, I love it so much. Looks beautiful right I now, know, baby. Also, also, I didn't realize, like, I mean, this is maybe more of like a us thing, but I didn't realize that the Mrs. Doubtfire house is literally three blocks away from Rose's Cafe. Oh. Ah. <laughs> it's like up the street from. Uh, yeah, the, the address that. Sally Field said is the it's actual, the actual address. address, like 2640 Steiner or 2604 Steiner. And Rose's is on Steiner and Union Street. Yeah, and this is on Steiner and Broadway, mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, it's literally like, it's like right three there. blocks. <laughs> I mean, 
I, I want to talk about two different things, but like Sally, when Sally Field finds out that Robin Williams was Mrs. Doubtfire, that the whole time, the, the whole, whole time, time was so excellent. Yeah. So fucking, per- she was oh the best yeah. actor in the whole movie. She acted circles around every fucking other person. I mean, I think Robin Williams did also did an incredible job he, in yeah, this movie. He was good too, <laughs> but like, I'm sorry, just like. I think it's a hard role. Like, yeah. Rob, like, Robin Williams did his, like, darndest to, like, rise to the occasion. But, like, this is a sociopath, if yeah. you think about it. I know. He I'm has like... to try and make this psychopath into, like, an incredibly charming person full of love. But who, like, needs to learn Which he how does. to guide that. Like, I think he sticks the landing. I'm just saying that it's a very difficult task. Mm-hmm. But also, like, um, Sally I also feels... had a big point of contention i guess for the whole plot of this movie is like what he should have done is just kept prank calling <laughs> until she decided like oh yeah my best option is just to let him take care of the kids yeah i feel like that that that's what i always thought the original plan was like when it when he changed the phone numbers and then just prank called Yeah, her, but then he was like, yeah, exactly. But, but I'm then like, he was like, now time why, to go in for the kill. Why do you make a good one and then just go with that? Like, I'm like, what is the end game? I don't understand. Yeah. And like the entire plan is just nonsense. That's kind of, that's a lot of my like, can I follow this? Uh, yeah. Decreases. Same. Because it's just like. This is just such a stupid and bad plan. It also doesn't make sense to me that Jack and Harvey Firestein like don't question these <laughs> antics in any way. I well, mean, I do. He I grew do up with when... him. Well, because they grew, they grew up with him, you know, or like he grew up with him. So he's like, I am, I know my brother. I know he's like this. I bet you, Harvey Firestein is it. also like this. In this. Yeah, maybe that's true. But I do, I do love when he shows up to their door and he's like can you make me a woman? And they're like, oh, honey, I'm so happy. Yes. <laughs> Are there many, 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 many jokes about person with, uh, in gen- pers- gendered person in other gender bathroom jokes? There's a lot of that. But I do think that at its core, it was trying to be nice. Yeah. Uh, it's San Francisco. We have a gay, a named gay character who is beloved and who is like, very happy when his brother says make me a woman (laughs) and like all all these jokes are yes at the expense of trans people it's it's like that's unavoidable but i do think that in their own misguided way they were trying to make it seem like it's trans people are not that bad like they're not they're harmless like it's call the cops yeah that was not mrs doubtfire has a penis yeah yeah. Not cool. The, That's where my the hold up kids really fall, comes down. finding out and freaking out and wanting to call the cops. And I'm like, well, that is also exhibiting kind of like questionable parenting, it's, I guess. Yeah. It's but, like, this is your beloved nanny. And you, if you happen to find out that, that she was a trans woman, that's not, she's not lying to you. She's not trying to trick yeah. you. Yeah. She's just trying to live her life. Yeah. This would be um, a different... Another plot point I had, mm-hmm. like, Let's just say, okay, fine. He does go through that to be the nanny and get hired on. And then what he should have kept doing is then 
like continued to be the like hard ass that the kids wouldn't like. Because then once again, it would drive them to be like, I miss dad. I want yeah, dad. That's what I thought and then was Sally happen. Field would be like, yeah, like instead of like, okay, can I just do it now? I have a nice house. I have a job. And she's like, but we can't. Mrs. Doubtfire, like the kids are doing so yeah. well. We love her. And it's like, no, you literally shot yourself in the foot. You should have sabotaged it so that she would allow you to be with yeah, your kids. Yeah, should have just kept dropping the ball. I think the way that I think maybe childhood Allegra always rationalized this was that, uh, and especially on this rewatch where like day one, Mrs. Doubtfire is a hard ass. I think that was the plan is that Mrs. Doubtfire was supposed to be just like no fun all the time, but that, but like, because he is not actually this weird, crazy British lady, and he's just getting to spend time with his kids, he couldn't help himself. Yeah. But, like, want to love them and spend time with them and be really good with them. Like, I think he shot himself in the foot because he can't... Like, that's the whole crux of this character, is that he loves his kids more than anything. Yeah, so he, like, can't help being nice. Yeah, in, so. And I also... Yeah, I think maybe, like, Baby Holland also, like, justified it to being, like... Like, he also can't help just committing to the role. <laughs> you know? He's yeah. like... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, I'm going all in, man. I'm method here. <laughs> I do say... Like, I did have a thought, though. During the montage where he's bonding with the kids and uh, he's playing soccer with the Lawrence brother, um, that's when you can really tell that this is a, a, a latex mask. <laughs> it's like... In the direct sunlight. <laughs> in the direct sunlight. It's like the facial movements are limited and it kind of looks horrifying. I feel like also when I was little, it felt like this was his only option. I feel like yeah. when I was little, it felt like this was the only way he could see his kids. Because it... I guess yeah. I was maybe just more sensitive to the fact that, like, the parents did not like each other post-breakup. So it seemed, like, impossible that he would eventually get to see his kids more. So I think, and I feel like that might be the logic the movie is leaning on of being like, this is the only way, or something like that. I think that's probably yeah. how I rationalized it as a child as well. But watching this as an adult, it's like... No. <laughs> Listen to the judge and get your shit together on your own and just be patient. Honestly, the whole movie could have been solved with Robin Williams just practicing a little bit of patience and a little bit of, like, hard work. Yeah, if you think about it, he's, he's rewarded for his bad behavior still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I also hate at the end. I do. I do. I do. Don't, I don't want to completely be on Sally Field's side because she even in like the initial court scene when it's like you know you have to prove that it's you know you're responsible enough to you know care for your kids you could tell even then she kind of felt bad yeah. not as bad as the second court scene but she knows how much he loves the kids and how good he is with them and then she's still like a total fucking bitch when you know she comes into the house and she's like you know shitting on his apartment when it's like he didn't really have many options you know yeah. like it's kind of you know it was your idea to get to the get the divorce and like he he literally just found a place it is his fault he didn't have a job but it was his fault he had to find what he could and like 
only been a little bit. Give him some time. Yeah, well, I, I mean, would. He didn't have options. I mostly would just chalk that up to like the breakup is fresh. And they both just fucking hate each other, and they have no patience yeah, for anything. Yeah, I feel like calling <laughs> Sally Field's character a bitch is a little unfair because, like, we're we're definitely we're dunking on Robin Williams' is his part in all this, and like, I do believe that there is a Sally Field's part in all this, but I'm not trying to like make anyone seem like all good or all bad. Yeah. It is. It's like, and from her perspective, no, no, no. I'm mainly talking about that scene. Yeah. You think- know, like that scene where it was just like, I do think that the movie does really try to paint Robin Williams in a lot of good light where like, yes, he does deserve some of the reality <laughs> uh, or the realistic, um, you know, opinions and judgment on him. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that to swing back and think like, okay, Sally Field was harmless in all of this. No, 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 no. And I, I will say I do... I mean, the way that the movie, I mean, again, like these are characters. We don't have like the full context of their entire relationship. But the breakup scene after the birthday party, which, by the way, is so fucking devastating. Still um, devastating to maybe watch. Maybe like a yeah. little too hard to watch. A little too, <laughs> yeah, a little too real. Um, but I will say it does seem like the I want a divorce thing comes out of nowhere. Like in Robin Williams's perspective. Because it's sh- it's clear, like, they are not good at communicating with each other. And Sally Field later says, like, well, Daniel wasn't good at talking about anything serious. But it's like, okay, but, like, like it was, it's also, like, a little bit your fault for, like, letting him get away with not talking about anything yeah, serious. Yeah, very enabling. And, like, having all of your own feelings just build up inside of you without telling him about it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just, like bomb drop I want a divorce so in his perspective it's like wait <laughs> excuse me what like not great I mean like yeah again nobody's perfect in this relationship no one's perfect in any relationship but like whatever I mean the, what a powerful scene though when he is Mrs. Doubtfire and he actually gets to hear yeah. her true deep feelings yeah. about his relationship with her and it's like a huge violation of privacy oh my god but b <laughs> it the movie also says that like you know this is kind of valid like were they both really bad at communicating with one another yes but was there a real reason why she was attracted to him yeah also yes it's like sally fields character deserves to be happy however i do think she jumped into a new relationship too very quickly, quickly. <laughs> very quickly <laughs> it introduced him to her kids too quickly this movie takes place all within a span of two months yeah Yeah. so like she started dating the guy really soon and then yeah introduced him to her kids two months from the court date we see i guess we theoretically don't know how much time passed between the conversation of wanting to divorce and actually starting proceedings but like yeah, yeah. Still, very soon. <laughs> but it's like, is the divorce even fucking final yet? Oh, I no. I doubt it. I doubt it. Han, how do you feel about Lydia as oldest child in a divorce uh, representation? Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually thought about that before, but it seems like you guys have thoughts about it. <laughs> so I'd like to hear it from you. I mean, I thought <laughs> well, that... It, it all good. I said is that, like, it was just certain things that she did reminded me of you. Like, just some ways. Like, you know, the being very protective and kind of, like, 
you know, having very uh, obvious, though not always vocal, uh, opinions or judgments about what's going on in front of us. <laughs> or even like towards babysitters, because oh we've had our fair God. share of uh, of not great babysitters that you were never uh, scared to vocalize to them or well, to our parents. I think to be fair. And Thank you for that, by the way, because we all felt that way. I, but you were the one that was like, fuck Pam or whatever her name was Marcia. from Marcia. Rolling Hills Church. Marsha. Uh, <laughs> Pam was fine. I will say, though. <laughs> no, you're right. I got the names mixed up. I will up. say to be Pam was fine. Pam was there for a while. Like, she was your tutor or something, too, Dude, she right? didn't teach me shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mom would drop me off at her place, and she'd be like, all right, what's your homework? And I'm like, I'm hungry. She'd give me some, like, ho-hos, and I'd play with the giant dollhouse in her living room. I did not do any homework at her place. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Pam was a real one. Uh, Pam was also there when like during the summertime and so we like she was a reason why we didn't have to go to like the day camp at the csd that i hated going to mm. so i was like i appreciate you being here pam for this reason oh this god reason i alone. hated that too Colin's like I that just, fucking day camp at the <laughs> like, csd i just want to stay at home <laughs> and like read harry potter and not be forced to socialize <laughs> in the giant gymnasium um and like be traumatized by the high dive or something anyway um i will oh yeah i was gonna say to be fair we were also nightmares for babysitters because i think we were just rebelling against the idea that like our parents were divorcing and like weren't around to watch us all the time anymore i mean and mom was like working now and we were like fuck this but i'm a child and i don't know how to vocalize this so we're gonna be terrible for the babysitters but at the same but i'm glad you i'm glad i was able to be a champion for us as well when we had particularly bad ones oh man holland you unionized us several times (laughs) god (laughs) i feel i honestly i feel so bad for most of the babysitters who had to watch us because we were awful. Awful. We were so How? Bad. I, so this is all news to me. <laughs> I don't know. We were just nightmare children because we didn't want. Was I not them just to really into Legos? <laughs> well, it's like sometimes it would be fine. Like I feel like we had a teen boy babysitter in Arden who. Oh, we liked. he was cool. We liked him. He was cool. And Ashley. I don't remember that him. Was pre-divorced though. I don't remember Ashley. Um, anyway. Did we take her to Ghost Ranch? But anyways, so yeah, cool. I do ah, remember having, very similar to this movie, having, like, an old woman, like, having, you yeah. know, taking care of yeah. us. But yeah, it was Pam, who probably, probably wasn't even that old. She was probably, like, in her 40s. Yeah, she was. But, like, well, for she, me, being... Yeah, she was maybe 40s, 50s, because I think she had older daughters who like weren't she had she had a yeah she had a daughters who were already out of high school but um i was four and five or whatever so to me she could have been fucking 80 i didn't know the difference and she was not as good as mrs doubtfire was i'll tell you what she was kind of useless um she had a mustang though i remember that i remember the mustang the mustang was cool yeah 
I do remember yeah. that. I do remember that. I think the funniest performance is maybe Pierce Brosnan, only with the fact that he just wants to date Sally Field, and he has to take the most insane passive-aggressive abuse from her <laughs> fucking nanny. <laughs> I know. I, the craziest shit comes out of his mouth, and Pierce Brosnan is just like, I have no idea what's going I on right now. I don't know how to react to this. And he's but, um, British, so he's not going to confront anything. Gotta be polite about it. Yeah, I will say. Yeah, I think. I think uh, this. Going back to kind of what Mom was saying, I do remember as a kid seeing Pierce Brosnan like as a villain, or just. I remember being like, I'm not supposed to like him. Yeah. Because. Robin Williams doesn't like him. And, like, all the jokes at his expense were, like, funny and, like, yeah, fuck you. but like Or, like, screw you. I was a child. But watching it as an adult, I'm like, this is the most patient man in the world. He has done absolutely nothing wrong. If anything, he's going above and beyond yep. to be, like, a good boyfriend to a woman going through a divorce. He likes her kids. He, like... He's just very nice. But I also have the question of, do we think their relationship survived the dinner reveal of of his girlfriend's ex-husband has been masquerading as the nanny for months? What is so funny to me <laughs> is that after the reveal happens and Sally Field leaves... Fucking Pierce Brosnan's whole demeanor is, oh, okay, now this makes sense. <laughs> I'm not insane. There's not this weird, crazy woman I have to do. Like, it's the ex. All right, all right, all right. We do not see him after that. Yeah, we don't see hey, him. Hey, they, they do shake hands. Well, yeah, because Robin Williams did save his life. He was choking on a shrimp with pepper on it, and he did give him the Heimlich and save his life. That's I think the handshake was like, well, at least thanks for saving me. I'm leaving now. Yeah. Well, I know that, but, <laughs> but I think, I, I don't know. I would like to say yes. Maybe he would probably be like, give me some time to process this. And Sally Field is probably like, I understand. Yeah. But But I do think they return because he did say he loves the kids. He absolutely adores the kids. And like he's like, okay, the guy saved my life. Like, we didn't end on it's gonna be awkward just based on the dynamic, but we kinda ended on like somewhat of decent terms because he did save my life. Um, but I don't know, man. I would I would like to think that he because like you said, he's very patient. And understanding. I would like to say that because obviously Sally Field was not okay with the situation. If anything, Pierce Brosnan probably just is not going to watch daytime television anymore because he <laughs> might be a little traumatized to see that woman on the screen. Sally Field ends up just being like, oh yeah, my ex-husband's now going to watch the kids regularly anyway. And he's just like, "I if like if he genuinely wants to pursue a long-term relationship with her... Like, Robin Williams is part of that. Like, yes. he is going to be in their lives no matter what. And if he said, I'm out, uh, I would understand. I would not blame him for that. Because, like, he's been horrible to him this whole time while also at the same time, like, tricking everybody <laughs> and masquerading as Mrs. Doubtfire. And as Mrs. Doubtfire, she, like, has made all these, like, insidious, passive-aggressive <laughs> comments to him. She 
threw a fruit at his, she threw a lime at his head in a run by fruiting. And like, <laughs> it like fuck, fucked up his car. Yeah, stole the Mercedes emblem off of his car. Like, I don't, I don't know how fast I would be to forgive that type of a thing. I would, I would be like, you know what? This is a red flag. I mean, personally, I'm like, this is a red flag. I don't want to deal with this weird, crazy ex situation. Um, maybe I'm, I need to, or maybe like, let me take some time and think about yeah. it. I mean, I did love how like James Bond just really wanted to date this like nerdy <laughs> designer lady, <laughs> like this nerdy little mom. And he's just like, You're, I'm so horny for you. But Sally it's like, Field. it's clear they also have a past. Yes. Like they somehow dated in the past. And maybe that's what pushes it over. The fact that there is a history yeah, between them. That's he, true. He sought her out because he couldn't stop thinking about her. He's been following her career for years. Probably needs some time though. Yeah. Just need some time. A moment that is mine. That's all I said. Yeah. That's all I said is he maybe said he needs a break, but I think because he's patient and he's understanding, it could work. Paul yeah. and I just needed to talk that out. Yeah. We just needed to. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Stu's um, a real one, and he's a catch, and good on you. You know, Pierce yeah, Brosnan once invited me to a movie. Um, did he invite all of my organization? Yes, but um, <laughs> I'm counting it. Uh, did I meet him? No, but we were in the same theater. Okay. So, his wife made a documentary. Can, can I just can I just list a couple of my favorite quotes from this movie that got yes. like just obviously I was like enjoying this movie, but got like audible laughs from me. And they were like usually like pretty small for the most part. Mm-hmm. But one of them was like uh when Robin Williams was getting his new job and he's like, and after I box them you ship them. And then the guy, he's like, yeah, whatever. Like good luck, smart ass. And he walks away and Robin Williams just gives this very like sincere smile. And he goes, I think I made a friend <laughs> that I, I fucking died at that. And then also, um, diarrhea forever. <laughs> Got a good one. And then one more is when he's like, he's like, He's, he's doing the prank calls and like, he's talking all quietly and calm. And he's like, or do they need a few light slams? <laughs> I was absolutely well, sick from of, that. But part of that one that I think is also so funny is like, or do they need a few light slams? And Sally Field's like, uh, I'll have to get back to you. And she and then he goes, wow. As in like, <laughs> like she had to think about it. <laughs> And before she hung up, I'm like, wow, I guess that means a lot. Like, <laughs> I guess they're bad. Um, um, yeah, I have a that's couple really, as well. I love that. I also loved when, like, they're rolling up to the pool, like the country club, and Pierce Brosnan's on the high dive and all of that. And uh, Robin Williams is like, look, Natty, that's called liposuction. <laughs> um and then oh yeah and then sally field's face after he says that too (laughs) is great her face acting in this movie was spectacular oh my god incredible i do think that when sally field said that like because she was in this relationship that she was never allowed to be the fun one and now that she's single sort of you know she is allowed to be fun yeah it's like i think that's very true because her best friend is this psychopath nanny who is like (laughs) celibacy forever is the only option and she's like oh mrs doubtfire you're so crazy with your old-fashioned ways (laughs) 
Oh, I also liked that's for that's the formaldehyde. That's what keeps Granny so well preserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also totally thought for the longest time until I watched this movie and looked up the IMDb last night, I thought that Mr. Lundy, like the TV exec guy, I thought that was played by Rob Reiner. It's not. <laughs> I totally thought that was Rob Reiner yeah. until no, yesterday. No, <laughs> that guy looks like Rob Reiner today. Yeah. <laughs> not Rob Reiner in 1993. Maybe it's because I was watching yeah, I thought, it like I thought the same thing. 10 years after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I definitely thought, I was like, wow, he looks just like Rob Reiner mm-hmm. does in New Girl as Jess's dad. Um, I also, one other thing is like, I want to know how many takes it took during the... Uh, the initial meeting with the court liaison when he's doing all his impressions (laughs) and like he's doing all of them. And like, I think very intentionally her back is turned to the camera. And I think it's because she's probably smiling the whole time, but I want to know how many times she broke from all of his impressions. I'm sure they just let him go. Oh yeah. Chose the best. No, I know. (laughs) Well, they, it was literally cuts, you know, that you could tell it was literal cuts, but I'm just saying like, I know, I just want to know how many, like, you know, they had to like, okay, no, we're not doing this one because she just like falls over laughing mm-hmm. because I like, I would not be able to keep still. I would be like, you know, my shoulders would be moving from like stifling laughter mm-hmm. because he's just so fucking good. I mean, she may not even have been in the room for most of those. She's in the frame. She's in, yeah. You can see like her, the back of her head when he's making the phone calls. No. Like when she's in the, no. in the office. With the court liaison, and he's doing like all of the like I do voices. Mrs. Silner. Oh, I kind of blacked out. Um, <laughs> she, that lady, is the um, assistant to Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. I feel like she's in a lot of things. I haven't seen that movie. I've only seen that movie once, and I want to watch it again. Put it on the list. Jim Carrey, Jim Janucary, Janucary. <laughs> yeah, it was Janucary. That was our idea. We almost did that this year. Um. Uh. Also, the bus driver interactions. Robin Williams gets a little taste of what it's like to just be a woman in the world, and strange men just hit on you, talk to you for say of, horrible things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like a little bit like. Oh, yeah, this is what it's like all the time. (laughs) If a man saw my leg hair and felt compelled to come up to me and be like, that's very good, very natural, I would have, like, shot him in the nuts. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't, don't, you don't have to comment on a woman's body. I know you feel entitled to talk to anyone you please, like, that you would like to talk to, but please just don't it's maddening (laughs) it's maddening have you ever been walking down the street and some dude just smiles at you and you're just like why what what does this mean yeah and it's not like a normal like we made eye contact with a stranger like quick smile Uh it's just like a intense eye contact smile The the, the other week i was just going on a walk i think it was raining too and i had a hood on and i was just walking around and some guy like like waved at me and I thought he was going to like ask me for directions or like something like he said something to me and I was like took out my head but I'm like what and he's like you're beautiful I'm like oh okay and then I just kept walking I'm like why like stop 
doing this, people? Oh, my God. A couple months ago, I was waiting for the C train, and this dude said something to me, and I was like, what, huh? And he goes, do you use vibrators? <laughs> and I said, shut up, dude. Go away. But that's, I don't know, that might be a more New York thing than yeah. a common everyday occurrence. Well, didn't you, do you want to tell your park story? Oh, my God. I don't know if you've told it before. Not on the podcast, <laughs> but, like, when I first moved to Brooklyn um, from California, I was unemployed. Uh, so I decided I would walk around. I went to a bookstore, and I was like, oh, I'll read in the park. How nice. How lovely. Um, it's June, but before it gets shitty, um, <laughs> I sit down and almost immediately this dude comes up to me and he's like, do you mind if I draw you? <laughs> and I was like, uh, can I just keep reading? And he's like, for sure. And he sits down, sketches a little bit and then keeps trying to talk to me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a play for you. He shows me his little sketch. It's dog shit. <laughs> And then he's like, can I get your number? And I was like, uh, I'll give you my Instagram. <laughs> and then he's clearly like pissed off that I won't let him, I won't give him my numbers. He's like, all right, failed. And I immediately see him beeline for a girl sitting under a tree. And I was like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I actually had a dude come up to Jesus me and say the words, Christ. can I draw you? So basically, men are terrible. Do better, everybody. Well, to get back to the podcast, um, the reason my sit-through ability score is not a 10, mainly, is the dinner scene. Because it causes me so much anxiety. So much anxiety. That I, I like, it, uh, it just causes me so much anxiety. I hate that scene. I know it's the climax of the movie. And like it's still there are entertaining bits because Robin Williams is just fucking killing it. But like it's because I know what's happening. Yeah, I know what's gonna good happen. I am what so it's doing. Stressing. Yeah, you know that I mean? it just like so just it like, just. Uh, I also never. I also never picked up on the part that like his biggest downfall was the fact that he was drunk. Yeah, I didn't ever like notice that until this watch. Either. Oh, I think because I he's like downing scotches with his mm-hmm. hopeful new boss. I don't know. For some reason, I didn't really pick up on that until this watch through. Also, same gray. You were not alone. But I didn't know what yeah, drunk was. I, but as a kid. I was like, oh, that's why <laughs> he like sure. fell over and then started getting really mixed up. Like, you know, I just thought it was like, oh, he just kept getting mixed up because he's going back and forth. Yeah, but what it really yeah. was is, I mean, it was I mean, that and the fact that he was but, like, yeah, he was also drunk. Yeah, but then he also had to like chug five scotches <laughs> and scotch on the rocks. That's two that's shots. That's a lot, man. So that's like he's ten shots master. of scotch. And his first one, the guy was like, "You gotta catch up." Two doubles. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> um, I I will like yeah. the the scene when the social worker comes over or the court liaison comes over mm-hmm. and he's like pretending to be both him and his sister, quote unquote. And the dinner scene, I'm like, I am stressed. Also stressful. I scene. know what's gonna happen, yes. and I yes. am stressed. That one too. But that one's window. like a, mi- yeah, that one's like a miniature, miniature yeah. moment that where I get it. But it's like it's not as bad because you know he's not gonna get caught. <laughs> yeah, but those two little Asian boys across the alleyway, <laughs> just like might I say the. The only people of color in this entire movie, which is very unrealistic for San Francisco. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, because I, I was going to say like, oh, this movie was all white people. And then my brain went, not all. <laughs> there's Those two Asian kids. There's a solid 30 seconds of, of total 
screen time of two little Asian kids. I think also, that- I mean, but yeah, also pretty unrealistic considering I'm pretty sure, because I looked up all the filming locations, I'm pretty sure um, he lived in Telegraph Hill, which is fairly close to Chinatown as well. So, because I know, because he walks by the Transamerica building too, which is also like basically in Chinatown. I'm like, you'd be seeing a lot more diversity, at least even in the B roll, you know? Um, yes. I think there used to be a YouTube channel in which someone would edit a movie to uh, just, like, the, it would only be the total screen time of people of color. <laughs> Well, and sometimes it's like, yeah, the videos were as short as four seconds. Nah. Yeah, this would definitely be less than a minute. <laughs> um, oh, I just can't. Dude looks like a lady. Is this song canceled? It's one of my notes. <laughs> or is it like Lola? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look up the lyrics. I'm going to err on the side of it's probably problematic. Yeah, I mean, Aerosmith is problematic. So, or Steven Tyler is anyway, so. Oh my god, the dude who looks like a lady in the song whips a gun out on him. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, She's got a body of Venus. Also, Lord Steven Tyler looks like a lady, so that's kind of funny. I mean, it just sounds... Steven Tyler looks like Lily Tomlin from Grace and Frankie. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like this is a song about Steven Tyler met... Um, Went to a dive bar, met a trans woman. She whipped a gun out on him, but then she was hot, so they had sex. That's the whole song. So he had sex with the dude who looks like a lady? Yeah. Interesting. And he uses she, right. her pronouns. Not so problematic after um, all. It's still weird. He still <laughs> says dude looks like a lady, but the entire time in the, cor- in, in the chorus, it's dude looks like a lady. The verses, she, her, uh, pronouns, and she's hot. What a funky lady. Oh, he was a lady. I don't know. It's very weird. Um, okay. Ag- Interesting. But again, think of the time it came out, yeah. I guess. Um, oh, wait. Can I, can I just interject a little funny thing that Meg told me the other sure. day? It, it ends up like, so she does for all of her like potential clients, you know, they fill out a little questionnaire. Um, and it's turned out to be a pretty decent screening process uh-huh. for the quality of people. And if it's someone she would want to work with gotcha. and in her questionnaire, one of the questions is like, what are your preferred pronouns? Like, you know, for the, the, the couple. Um, and she's like, I got one the other day where they put N.A., like, not available. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, I guess I know that now. So, like, don't have to worry about, you know, like, I don't want to work with them. Yeah. Um, and then also, I'm just like, and also, that makes no fucking yeah. sense. <laughs> not applicable. <laughs> it reminds me of that one dude on TikTok who makes those songs. And he's like, Congratulations. That was one of the stupidest things that yeah. I've ever seen. Because like someone else was like, I don't do, I don't have pronouns because I'm a conservative or whatever. And it's like, it's like not only are you like you're telling me how stupid you are in two different ways. Mm-hmm. It's like first of all, yeah. So I was like, oh wow, yeah, that kind of works out. It's a good, yeah, seriously, good screening <laughs> process. So you can vet your potential clients and figure out 
who you do and don't want to work with. Well, I will say, and I'm not saying that this is the situation that Megan countered, um, because like I also like in recruiting, I ask people what their pronouns are, and sometimes people will be like, blah, blah, blah. they'll just like I'm like you could put nothing, honestly, and it would be less of a shitty thing to do. But I do know uh, I have heard about someone who's just like. I actually don't ha- use pronouns uh, because I want you to just say my name. Like, my pronoun is my name. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, Miranda. And it's like, don't you'll just say Miranda because I don't want pronouns. Yeah, I, but I would assume that that person they would just say that yeah, they, uh, <laughs> in, in that answer. In that specific case, <laughs> they would have spelled that out. Yeah. I think in Meg's case, it was like a good litmus test, a good smell test. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially because a lot of her clients come from El Dorado County. Yeah, totally. So, um, shout out to El Dorado County. <laughs> you kind of fucking suck. Yeah. Hire my wife. <laughs> um, going back to the dinner scene. I know it's stressful. I know we all don't like watching it for the most part. Um, but some things that I like. First of all, Mrs. Doubtfire. Robin Williams, you could have just said no. You didn't have to go to this yeah. as Mrs. Doubtfire. Even when you're being guilted into it in person, you should have just made up an emergency and say, I'm so sorry, I can't make it tonight. Yeah. Like, on, like realistically, you didn't have to go. I'm like, I don't, I mean, maybe you're... I, maybe you're so much of a people pleaser that you can't say no to plans. I'm really good at backing out of plans. Like, if you need advice, let me know. Um... <sighs> But also, things that I seriously his best excuse was bingo night. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you gotta, you gotta have a you gotta, more. you gotta tell him non-negotiables. You could have you know? say you gotta one of like, your fake children is visiting you. <laughs> That's literally the first thing I thought was like, oh no, my daughter is gonna be in town only that night on a long layover. Well, Sally Field would have I have been to like, go eat with her, yeah. invite her. But but I think you're your original idea. Or just fake, say I'm gonna be out of town. Fake an accident <laughs> the night of. Yeah. Um. Like, or like my granddaughter has a birthday party I'm going to or something. I don't know. Um, also, did never really picked up on what Mrs. Doubtfire was saying to Stu at the dinner table when everybody else left. <laughs> like he was. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Like, like a warning him to about Miranda and about like, like. The, like the things, the only things I wrote down were things like cunning linguistics. And I was like, what? Like as alluding to cunnilingus. A go down payment. And power tool. She has a power tool in the bedroom. Like shit like that. Like I don't, I don't remember picking up on any of that no, as a child. That was all nonsense yeah. words to us. Um, also. Hope you have cocktail sauce because she has crabs and I'm not talking Dungeness. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and. Uh, other things about the restaurant law that there is a smoking and non-smoking section. Also, like the fact that they just agree to go into the smoking section, like with immediately five-year-old with children, just seems outrageous to me. Although to be fair, it's the nineties. Yeah. To be fair, what a dumb idea of half of the restaurant is smoking and half of the restaurant is non-smoking. I mean, non-smoking. that just means the whole restaurant it's, smoking. It's <laughs> like, not to be weird, but like but that's, that's a that was a thing. There, That's when the I 90s. went to school yeah. in Missouri, there were still 
a couple restaurants that still had smoking and non-smoking sections. Honestly. And I went to one of them. It kind of <laughs> reminded me of when restaurants first started opening after COVID and people were like, you wear a mask until you sit down. It's yeah. like, okay, we're just. Yeah. We're just... And I mean, didn't Plains used to have like smoking sections? Yes. Unquote, which is just all yep. wild. Um, also, another thing that I noted was he would be so sweaty yes. wearing his suit latex underneath that bodysuit like that seems like such a pain the back and the forth and the oh my god he would not smell good he would not smell good although especially because he dumped an entire bottle of perfume on him at one point i'm like bro if you if you sprayed the clothes initially they probably still smell like the perfume. We don't need to go all out. <laughs> but he was drunk at that point. Yeah, and maybe maybe he was trying to cover up the alcohol. I don't know. Also, what do the people in the restaurant think happened? Wow, you just went really high pitch there. After the, re- after the reveal. What do the people... I have a two-pronged question. What do the people in the restaurant think happened? Like, during this whole choking reveal, (laughs) like, drama moment. And also, how did he still get a TV show after this? Surely his boss saw this entire thing go down. His boss had a lot of scotch, too. (laughs) That's true. Probably didn't remember shit. He probably was just like, you want to dress up like an old lady and improv a children's show? Fuck it. He's like, I guess those people are just transphobic because they got mad at him for some reason. (laughs) He likes scotch, too, and he groped a woman in the back, so, like, he's okay in my book. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like, Does I'm an your old white TV exec. have a girlfriend? It's the 90s. He's like, hey, it's the 90s. He goes, hey, it's the 90s. <laughs> I love that he was just so yes and that yeah. like, he didn't even connect the dots about how, like, no, I want to make out with someone, too. <laughs> um, I also hope that he hooked up Harvey Firestein with, like, a makeup job on his new TV show. I, he would have to. Like, I thought the same the thing. Entire, like, his entire character design is... Harvey Firestein and Jack. I don't remember Harvey Firestein's character's name. I'm so sorry. No idea. (laughs) Um, listen, the show is bad. Um, I've the kids. I've watched a lot of improv in my life. Probably more improv than any human being has ever ever needed to sit through. (laughs) And first of all, the set so dingy. Oh, so you mean more than two shows? (laughs) Great. I did three years of improv. I've seen some shit. I'm, USC, no, by the way. That was me bagging on improv, Allegra. Listen, USC. You're supposed to yes and that. It's, I'm out of practice. I'm, I'm off my game. Allegra was in two improv groups in college. Listen, USC would have a yearly improv festival in which people would be doing improv from like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And if you weren't taking a UCB class, you were watching you were watching improv and drinking a lot of milkshakes. It was a fucking recipe for disaster. Um, why were we talking? That sounds about? so Mormon. That <laughs> you sentence. You didn't like um, the show. 
his show. Oh, no, it was bad. Like, the, the, the set design was so brown and dingy. Like, I get that it's supposed to look like an old lady's living room, but this is a children's show. Yeah, I'm like, even Mr. Rogers, like, left his dingy living room and went somewhere fun. Yeah, and there was way more color in his <laughs> living room, too. Yeah, he wore primary colors. He different color sweaters. And also, this monkey puppet? Fuck this dude. <laughs> he looks like a PA on the show. Like, I hate his stupid hat and his stupid glasses. And I'm like, dude, do not improv with a puppet unless it's good improv. <laughs> like, I, I'm i sorry. Like, these, this, I don't know what the age group this show is trying to appeal to, but it's mostly just mumbly banter that goes nowhere. I will say, though, I do yeah. love and- that, they, that the guy who was on the Boring Dinosaur show still had a job on this new show yeah. as the mailman. I don't think I ever noticed yeah, that but- before. Yeah, <laughs> but... But Robin Williams should have just been himself when he was doing his dinosaur improv. That's a much more like kid friendly well, show I'm assuming than like that's maybe, the sleepy old lady. I'm assuming that's probably what he was going to pitch initially, but then he accidentally sat down at the table in Mrs. Doubtfire Drag and was like, "Well, fuck, gotta go yeah. with this." <laughs> but I feel like he should have once again. He didn't think it through sabotaged it and been like let's go with my original idea the one you saw and initially mm-hmm. you know took interest in yeah so i don't like have to put on this fucking makeup <laughs> um yeah white boy dinosaur it's the 90s <laughs> ice ice baby had surely come out by then probably i don't know um i feel like we're probably winding down i don't know if i'm gonna change any of my scores yeah honestly me neither they're pretty good all right, so what's the final score? Well, I want to give a bonus, uh, a bonus point for uh, yes. Baby came out. how, like, disturbed, uh, but, like, in a funny way, the Lawrence brother is. <laughs> with his, like, his, like, creepiness. I just, I really liked that. I thought it was funny and, like, pretty realistic for a boy his age. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm going to give bonus point for Sally Field. Ugh. Robin Williams, Ugh. while he is incredible and amazing, he always gets the props for that for this movie. But I don't know if Sally Field gets the recognition she deserves for playing. Honestly, kind of a difficult role to play. Again, she's always made out to be the heavy and the whole movie has you rooting for Robin Williams, but I think she still does an incredible job. I think that's what I was feeling. Yeah, especially time. to also have to play just opposite of Robin Williams mm-hmm. is going to be a tall task. And she held her own, And man, she definitely sure. comes up She's to the plate. Legend. Yeah. I love her so much. Okay. All right. What's the final? Are you guys watching Winning Time? Because I started it watching it. Uh, I've watched like three episodes. <laughs> so with the bonus points. Mrs. Doubtfire comes out to a very respectable 85. That feels that, appropriate. That feels very right to me. Yeah. That feels right. Yeah. That feels yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely uh, appropriate. Guys, thanks for God, the Allegra, easy movie. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I know. I fucking hate you. Like, this one was a breeze. I didn't even have to argue, really. Compared to last week, man. Like, <laughs> the difference. Oh, between, God, dude. Because, like, what was the score in Kangaroo Jack again? 36. Although I did manage to, I did manage to argue up thirteen points from the original score you guys gave me, 
which I think is, I mean, that might be the most amount of point gain after an argument, but to be fair, it's still only netted out out of 36, but like, God, that was a fucking I was just movie. wondering if my score was more than double your last score. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Not hard to be. Not hard to be. <laughs> All right. Ooh, Greg, give us that trivia. All right. Let's give you some info on this movie. So I already told you from the top, the impressive box office score, um, mm-hmm. 441.3 with a $25 million budget. That's incredible. Um, and some trivia, according to a bi- one biography, Robin Williams decided to test out the believability of Mrs. Doubtfire, um, of his character during the filming by going as Mrs. Doubtfire into an adult bookstore and buying large dildos and other sex toys and he was able to do so without being recognized um during the scene when miss selner comes to inspect daniel's apartment and daniel slash mrs doubtfire is serving her tea the icing on his face is melting off this was not intentional the heat from the set lights melted the icing on his face and robin williams just improvised the bulk of that scene oh my gosh which scene um the scene where he's serving her tea with the oh, like uh, yeah. meringue on his face. Um, Chris Columbus, the director, would use two or three cameras at a time when shooting Robin Williams scenes. Uncertain of what the famously improvisational actor would come up with, Columbus viewed shooting these scenes as if he were making a documentary. Wow. Um, according to the director, Robin Williams improvised so much that there were PG... PG-13 and R edits of the film. Oh my gosh. Um, though it was, it was always them. intended to be released as PG-13, but that's what it was. And like, it even says later on that like, because of how much he improvised, um, that they just had that much footage. Mm-hmm. And also because of, he could just take the tone anywhere. It was very difficult to edit because of like, you know, that it could just completely mm-hmm. change um, so wait, and so that's why he also said he viewed it like cutting together a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, because so wait, this yeah. movie is PG thirteen. I guess. I don't think I ever realized that. I want you to release Christopher Columbus should release the all R three cut. cuts. <laughs> I want to see all of them. Um, during the restaurant scene, when Mrs. Doubtfire's teeth fall into the glass of wine. The cast didn't know Robin Williams would do that, and so the reactions on the film were all genuine. Oh my god, amazing. Um, Harvey Firestein had seen and been so impressed by Robin Williams' impersonation of him on Comic Relief <laughs> that he heard through friends that Williams would be playing a character with a gay brother and approached him about playing the part. Oh, Aww. I love that. <laughs> Um, Stu was originally scripted to be an arrogant villain, but Chris Columbus felt that it hurt the relationship with Mrs. Doubtfire, so Stu was rewritten to be more the perfect potential replacement for a father for the kids. So, Mom, you were spot on that it was very intentional that he didn't really have any flaws other than just being not Robin Williams. Yeah, I think that was a smarter move, too. Yeah. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then some 1993 trivia. Um, the top song was Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top three movies were Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, and The Fugitive. So there you go. The Fugitive um, was probably the third highest grossing movie of 1993. <laughs> um, this was the year that apartheid finally ended in South Africa. Hey. Um, 
the VHS release of Aladdin this year sold 10.6 million copies in its first week. Wow. And also Robin Williams fame. True. Mm-hmm. Big year for um, Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and that's basically it. Oh, Oprah 1990, Oprah's 1993 interview with Michael Jackson is the most watched interview in the history of television. Wow. That's when she was like, maybe uh, at the time it might've been changed since then. That's when she was like, are you bleaching your skin? Are you ashamed of being black? That's that one. Interesting. And he's like, it's a skin condition. All right. Some, uh, some, uh, I guess, uh, nod to uh, Kangaroo Jack. Um, Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style sold over 800,000 copies in its first week, which became the record for debuting the artist. Oh, sorry. Which became the record for a debuting artist and fastest selling hip hop album ever until Eminem's album, The Marshall Mathers LP, bested it, both of which were produced by Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. Wow. This was the year that women were finally allowed to wear pants on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Oh, my, oh my God. God. It took that long? Jesus. That honestly, unfortunately, kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, the time makes sense, but that holds surprising. up. It's not surprising. Yes, not surprising. I mean, look um, at what's happening yeah. now. Oh, guys, we're currently hat. regressing and living in a hellscape, but yeah. Oh, God. But... Let's get to my favorite part uh, of our show, um, Big Rock Candy Mountain Roulette. <laughs> All right, let's load All it right, into the let's chamber. Let's see what Gray's movie is going to be next week. What is it? Yes! Parent Trap, baby. Oh, my God! Wow, man. And that is a Gray pick from the draft. And peak 90s picks lately man I guess we've been we've been solidly yeah was this also 93 no this is 97 I want to say another 97 I think it's 97 or 98 oh yeah it Lindsay Lohan's not that old um but yeah we've been solidly in the 90s for like a while now and I'm not mad about it um wow well we did have oh, kangaroo yeah. jack which was I blocked 2000s, that one out but it was <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so 93 was just now, then 03, and then 97, 96, 96, 04, 97. Yeah. So, like, yeah, pretty solidly 90s this season. It's definitely been more, I think, more 90s than 2000s. But there's still more to come. So, I think we have more 2000s stuff left on the list. Um,. But all right, cool. Next week, we're watching The Parent Trap. Finally. I know we didn't get to it in November, so well, now that's we, fine. we get the, to... Because we watched this last year with Mom, and so I wanted more time. And yeah, I definitely wanted it. some more time, and I think I've had enough to be like, it's been a minute. It's not like I've forgotten any detail of this movie, no. but I think it has been at least long enough that it's. I'm not like... It's not like, oh, I just watched that. You I know? feel like Gray can already rely on at least 90 points. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, this one is going to be a tough one yep. to beat, honestly. Uh, this is going to be, I think. <laughs> is, are we going to get another 100, baby? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. God, is um, the parent trap better than Matilda? That is the question. I fucking dare you to try and find a legitimate 
hole to poke well, in this movie. Challenge accepted. Well, Seriously. I have one. But okay. But Oh yeah, I guess I guess if anyone's going to, it's you fuckers <laughs> who are so subjective when you Great. do your scoring. This movie, you're gonna get a good score. It's on gonna this be movie. Very good, great. I'm not joking um, when I say you can rely on at but, least 90 so points. So everyone, just make sure that you tune in next week to hear us talk about The Parent Trap. And in the meantime, please follow us on social media, at Sibs on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Please especially follow us on Instagram, because every Friday we post a poll where you can vote on the defending Sib of the week and decide whether their score deserves to lose a point, gain a point, or stay the same. Um, you can also email us at latchkeysibs at gmail.com if you have any longer thoughts or suggestions or what have you. Uh, but until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.